Dong Earthlets! My name is Conrad, and welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000 Collected Episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of top 2000 AD thrills and storylines in one place, so you can easily listen to them in one go. They're a great accompaniment to reading 2000 AD collections that Rebellion publishes, or just to hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by the other stuff. Out of the way, Gorps! This episode, we're heading to the world of Sutermunda with Nick Stone, the Meltdown Man! Meltdown Man first melted in Prague 178 and ran until Prague 227, right after Tornado disappeared from the masthead is when it began. The script droid was Alan Hebden, and the art droid was the great Massimo Bellardinelli, with lettering by the Jack Potter droid. You can find it on both digital and print versions in its own graphic novel, or in 2080 Extreme Editions 11 and 12, both available from the Rebellion web store or your preferred bookseller. We're once again heading back to these halcyon days of late 1980 and 81 for classic thrill power. Other stories from this period that we've covered before in collections include The Judge Child, Return to Armageddon, Portrait of a Mutant, and a few sections of Nemesis the Warlock. At some point, we may even cover so many thrills I end up doing a Mean Arena collection, and then we'll just have a whole co- a whole progs worth of collected episodes. But let's talk Meltdown Man. This episode should probably be listened to in conjunction with episode 105 of the Mega City Book Club, where host... Eamon Clark and I discussed this thrill in detail. Here, I'll just say a couple things just to sort of uh, get things – just to get us started. Meltdown Man and Slain are 2080's two great fantasy epic made clear by the fact that both of them have a map in them. <laughs> On another podcast I listen to, they call fantasy stories a um, uh, map in the front books because that's such an essential part of the medium. So I'm so glad that we have this here. Alan Hebden was inspired for at least some of Meltdown Man from the writings of Cord Wayner Smith and wanted to tell this and wanted to call the story Yuji instead of Meltdown Man. And while I'm not sure Yuji is the greatest title, I think it would be better than Meltdown Man if just because it's not as confusing to readers. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Meltdown Man is all the different animal characters. And when you're reading, I think just keeping an eye out for all the different creatures, many of them based off of animal books that author Alan Hebden bought for Bello Dornelli to give him inspiration. Also, keep an eye out for the bald and bearded form of Bello Dornelli himself, because he definitely makes an appearance or two in the course of the story. Meltdown Man's a pretty long story. It spanned 50 progs, the longest running story of an author-artist pair in 2080 history, as far as I know and has an amazing high point of adventure storytelling. It's one that's stuck with me for years, despite the fact that I never knew when that guy was gonna melt. Episode 55. Progs 178 to 179. September 1980. Thrill 4. Meltdown Man. So, Meltdown Man, script robot... Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. Bellardinelli's back! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, man. This dude is, like, the artist. He's definitely, like, he's definitely one of my top, like, five, I want to say, 2080 artists. Like, he definitely is one, like, like maybe top two, even him and Carlos is scare. It's hard to, um, it's hard to balance them sometimes. But, um, yeah, so we open in the oil fields of the Persian Gulf where SAS Sergeant Nick Stone is taking down terrorists. 
But what he thinks is just a car bomb is actually a tactical nuke, and it's set to go off in ten seconds. So, fuck it. I guess I'll just enjoy my last remaining moments. Yeah, well, there's nothing he could do. He's a hard-ass, man. He doesn't freak out. He's just like, well... He okay. knows even if he ran for 15 minutes, he'd still be melted by the blast of the bomb. So he might as well hang out and enjoy being the first meltdown man. Oh, shit. Uh, Fox, you should know that this is the only time that meltdown-based wordplay basically happens in this comic, which runs for 50 issues. Oh, my God, so, really? Yeah, so kids who miss this first one will basically spend the next 40 weeks writing into 2000 AD asking when this dude is going to fucking melt and not getting good answers. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. I love that anecdote. <laughs> oh. It's from it's from the Mighty One by Steve McManus. But he's like, yeah, they write in and they're like, when's, it, when's, this, when's Nick Stone going to melt? What they call him? What the meltdown man? <laughs> he made out a voice cream. <laughs> oh, no, he'd be a walking ice lolly because they don't call it ice cream over oh, there. Man. Or he's Weird. like a like a human. Ch- Is he a human chalk ice? <laughs> but so. Oh, right. <laughs> Excellence. Only the best here on Space Spinner Two Thousand. Accents you wouldn't believe. This is your future. <laughs> so after. Wow. After a page of exposition that basically establishes Nick as both a cat lover and a badass eye patch wearing dude killer, we <laughs> see that he might not be dead after all. Instead, in fact, in a weird place. Yeah, he wakes up on the side of a river with an awesome helicopter with just a lot of skull imagery on it flying overhead. <laughs> And two harpoons just ready to launch. Yeah, they're chasing two people. They harpoon one of them right in the back. Nick- the other one, which they don't kill because he has her duck, is a totally hot lady who is also kind of like a cat. Yeah, she's got like cat-like features, I'd say. Like, Yeah, exactly. She's like a lady who looks like a cat. Basically. Sci-fi space, babe. Yeah. As opposed to as these helicopters come down and the people inside of it come out, um, we get basically humanoid hyenas and minks, which are animals that look like humans. The key difference. Yep. Uh, it's like Rocksteady and Bebop. If you're yeah. looking for a... Or like uh, like the Disney Robin Hood uh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, if you're English and you're a furry, this might be part of your personal genesis. I'm not going to... I'm not casting aspersions. Um, yeah, man. I support anybody's whatever. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so um, when Nick like goes to help the cat lady, she called him master, which is kind of weird. Yeah, you know. Um, and this weird submission. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, so the uh, the helicopters land and the uh, hyena and mink headed guys basically get out and apologize to Nick for any inconvenience, which but weirds Nick out. Nick Nick starts. Yeah, Nick starts yelling at him, and a human in sort of a sci-fi fantasy garb, you know, like a Ming the Merciless kind of look, basically, Mm. um, comes out and cuts the head hyena guy in half with a blaster. Yeah, saying like, hey, you don't talk sass to humans, buddy, you're going into recyclement. Exactly. He introduces himself as Lee Shar and apologizes for the hyena's rudeness. Nick is extremely confused and so he captain kirk hammer blows lee shar in the face steals his gun and says he wants answers what is this crazy talking zoo yep what the f guys you're cutting people in half right in front of me everything's weird there's a hot cat chick 
and weird a- animal dudes too. <laughs> Before he can get any answers, Nick gets knocked out by the body suspended by the harpoon that was previously <laughs> shot from one of the gunships. And Which, he gets, I mean, all right. Exactly. Yeah, he gets taken prisoner as the cat lady runs off. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just wondering, like, why the hell did this human save me? Yeah. And the first name drop for Kanita is, or Kanita? Kanita, I think. Yeah. Um, so Nick gets packed into a gunship and is taken to the massive, and is sort of taken to a, a city with a massive citadel above it, and then is further packed into just kind of a, a murder buggy, like a, like <laughs> a dune buggy that's basically got a lot of skulls and armed dudes on the sides of it, essentially. Yeah. Uh, as they drive through the city, Lee Shar explains that all of these animal guys are UGs and are slaves of the human masters. There's all kinds of animal dudes in here. They seem to all be mammals, though. They're doing different stuff. There's like cow dudes and sheep dudes and dog dudes and blah, blah, blah. Some goat dudes. Yeah. And then, you know. All this yeah, stuff. It's all kind of, yeah. But suddenly, not all is well because their death buggy is attacked by petrol bombs. Oh my god, we are going to clear this place out right the fuck now. As Lee Shard and his predator goons attack the the ambushers, Nick hears a voice in his head, a telepathic message from an eagle being called Kanita. Meanwhile, Lashar and his troops have captured a wolfman, and they handcuff him to the back of the murder buggy and lead him into the citadel. Um, And much to, like this dude nick just being like what the hell guys you're driving really fast and they're like oh no check it out we'll drive even faster the wolf can keep up yeah he's a wolf dude he's fine (laughs) yeah that's like very nonchalant (laughs) well also they don't really care that much because they're like evil slave master guys yeah pretty much so nick asks when they arrive at the citadel nick asks that gruff the wolfman not be executed and so instead he's made nick's personal slave in his order to explain to him what the heck is going on on this crazy planet now, of course, Alishar also at this point is like, look, man, I don't think you're from here. You're going to be locked in this really nice, lavish room for a little while while we figure out what the hell. You know, they want to toss him right in prison because it might just be a mistake. So they just kind of toss him in a nice place, but lock him in. So it's a good best yeah, of both worlds kind of situation. So, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, obviously evil, but I mean, clearly. Well, they're, you know. the, they're the rich kind of evil, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,. Yeah, so Nick gets locked in, and he and he talks to Gruff about the his, about uh, what's going on here. Uh, the the lowdown is that UG is short for eugenic bioform. They were I don't know how that's short for that, but well, you know, eugenic whatever. UG. I don't know. Uh, yeah. They were created centuries ago to be slaves to the humans, with different animal traits allowing different species to specialize in different kinds of jobs. So like now, the predators like the cops and the soldiers and stuff and blah blah blah. Um, anyhow, now people are fighting back, and it's time uh, they're trying to rebel against the humans. We also learn that uh, Kanita was an attempt to make an eagle Yuji, but it went wrong, and he became a powerful psychic and escaped. But who can say if he's still around or whatever? I mean, clearly he is, what with the telepathy and such. Mm. That night, as Nick sleeps, a shadowy figures enter his a shadowy figure enters his window. It's the cat lady with a knife to his throat. Next episode, breakout. So, yeah, I guess, spoilers, she doesn't kill him. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say right off that I'm excited to read, to start, to get to, to get to, to get to Meltdown, to get to Meltdown Man. 
Um, I want to give a shout out to Meltdown Man on Instagram, who is one of our big Instagram followers and likes all of our posts and stuff. Super appreciate it. He's a good guy. Uh, awesome. And What's yeah, up, Meltdown Man? Exactly. Good choice of names. And this story is going to be with us for a long time. It's got, I'm so excited. I believe it holds the record for longest sort of straight collaboration between an artist and an author as alan hebden writes and massimo bellardinelli draws all like 50 issues that come out one week after another for this thing and that's awesome because it not only does it look really good but i really just out the gate enjoy the story yeah the achievement of it is is kind of amazing when you think of it yeah <laughs> but he's, uh, so oh. do you think like gruff is related to the mcgruffs well i mean he's a dog so he might eventually evolve into mcgruff you know because dogs are evolved wolves right Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Take a bat out of crime. Wow. Episode 56. Progs 180 to 183. October 1980. Thrill to Meltdown Man. That was, uh, that was impressive. Sometimes you gotta chase your tail a little bit to do it. I'm not too proud to do so. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> So, script robot for Meltdown Man, Alan Hebden, art robot, Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot, Jack Potter. Okay. Nick Stone, he's already melted. Stop asking. He's <laughs> in a weird alternate dimension full of, uh, where these, uh, various furry beings are, um, slaves to humans. Kind of hot. Oh, man. So, <laughs> the, so we joined with the evil Leishar from La- um, explaining the actions of ti- of Dimension Traveler Nick Stone from last episode to a bunch of like upper crust rich folk types, and they're like, "Oh, you can't be this hard on him. He's a human." But and once he then- finds out that he sided with the UGs against humans, they immediately say, "Send him to the vats. To the vats. Yep. <laughs> Put him in those vats. What the." F- Breaker vats. Yeah. Leishar goes Leishar goes to do this, but in his mind he's also planning on taking over from these guys soon. Meanwhile yeah, that's why he has all these predator UGs on, oh yeah. on his payroll. Absolutely. Meanwhile, this uh cat lady, Liana, is threatening Nick and uh is in turn threatened by Gruff the Wolfman. And this just kinda goes on for a little bit while yeah. cats and dogs fight. It's definitely a like a, a through line through this whole thing. So Nick breaks it up, and we learned that Leon is also getting mental images from Kanita the uh, Eagle thing. Yeah, Kanita uh, the Eagle thing. I don't know. Leishar's goons are coming, so they have to go. Um, as the aristocrat attracts the the, the tree, uh, as the aristocrat attracts, as the aristocrat attacks, the trio makes a break for it. Jumping down, uh, they make their way to the city walls and escape into the countryside. Leishar follows in a sweet six-wheeled skull car with his oh, main yeah. henchman, the Tiger Commander, as the trio. Dude, who, who, by the way, like, so they they tricked their way out of the out of the city walls yeah. by by like. Uh, We're just kind of saying, like, hey, like, like I'm hey. a yeah, I'm a human. Let me go. Yep, and then as they're driving in this giant six-wheeled car, the tiger monster that's with Leishar is like, You shitty guard! You fucked up, so go to the vats! <laughs> it's like, great. He's just a screaming, angry tigerman. Yeah, the trio is He's then... my con- favorite UG. Definitely. As the trio is confronted by a minotaur um, <laughs> named T-Bone, the vat man, he says that the vats are waiting! Oh, yeah. 
He's really into vats, yeah. as we find out. But it turns out T-Bone's just fooling around, no worries. Uh, but <laughs> Lee Shaw is, is hot on their heels, so Nick and the guys go into the vats to hide as Lee Shaw arrives. The vats are huge! Yeah, they, you just dump things like corpses and Yuji's into it, I guess. Yeah, they recycle all living matter, but it's pretty, ter- uh, it's pretty terrifying, especially because they send living Yuji's, like the old, the infirm, and the lawbreakers into them as well, usually dosed with a spray of happy gas. Yeah, it's kind of fucked. It definitely, Just a little bit. Definitely messed up. Liana says, like, hey, like, you know, we understand that you got to recycle the bodies, but do you have to throw us, throw living people into the vats to be recycled? That's ridiculous. And, of course, T-Bone's like, I mean, it's a living. I'm just following orders. I'm a big bull guy. Uh, it's a giant club. I love Minotaurs, dude. But, um... Yeah, so sweet. Yeah, a fight breaks out among the vats, and soon they are wrecked by the weapons fire. T-Bone agrees to join the party now that his life's work has been destroyed, and Lishar goes back to the drawing board to track down Stone. He's going to consult King Seth. For answers, who turns out to be a giant cobra, Yuji! Oh my god, but he's kind of given off that creepy evil vibe. He's definitely as evil as a ki- as a cobra named King can be. Yeah, fair. So, it looks like King Seth is also kind of a psychic, and basically sort of an opposite evil number to Kanita. Yep. Liana senses his spying, and we learn... And we learned the backstory, which is basically, yeah, agreeing with it that he's basically an evil Kanita. <laughs> and yep. as back at the Citadel, we see Seth trying to take control of Lishar until Tiger Commander breaks it up. Dude, Tiger Commander is so... He's just like, I'll fucking kill him! And Lishar's like, wait, I'm snapping out of it. Don't do that. We need him. It just it reminds me of Steven Universe's um, pro wrestling character, Tiger Millionaire, as well. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty accurate. <laughs> So, the uh, the team is getting kind of hungry. It's time to get some <laughs> so food. So, the cow chews cut. Yeah, but everybody else has to go hunting. Gr- uh, Gruff and Nick go out hunting. Liana goes for a swim to also catch some fish. But in the in water... The oh, yeah. But in the water, she's attacked by a bunch of crazy beaver men! Or were they just peeping? We're not quite sure. I mean, something. Luckily, she's saved by Percy, their elephant boss. Who's awesome. He's just like pushes over and breaks a tree, and he's like, you beavers, get your ass back to work building this damn... He's wearing, like, like pants and, like, a checkered shirt and stuff. It's kind of cool. But so, yep. apparently, elephants and beavers are this big work team for building a huge dam, because the beavers can cut down the trees, and the elephants are strong enough to move the trees around. Yeah, it seems like a good combo if you're trying to build wooden dams. Yeah, and Nick theorizes how basically all these UGs need is someone to organize them and they can take over the world from humans because of how lame humans are. And you know what? He's probably started a few cues in his time, so... He's a SAS, He's an SAS guy with an eye patch. I feel like he's seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Lishar forces Seth to give up Stone's location, and Kinnita warns Stone about it. Lishar's death copters appear on the horizon, and they destroy the dam as our heroes escape with seconds to spare. Death copters are always such bad news when you're trying to just get the fuck out of Dodge. Oh, they're so cool that they got, like, 50 skulls on them. So, it's, the, <laughs> the dam is blown, and our heroes barely make it to safety. They're attacked by mink men, just as Stone's snipper gun, like, sort of malfunctions because it's wet. 
But Nick knows that Yuji's can fight back if you try, and he just straight up judo kills one of the mink, of the mink men, and that inspires T-Bone the Minotaur to get fighting. Uh-huh. He uses a chain anytime chains are used to whip the shit out of people. I'm down. He's just like, "Wapa!" Definitely. Uh, Gruff and Liana are separated from Nick and T Bone, floating downstream on a log. They see the elephant foreman of the dam, Percy, get angry at Lee Shar for destroying the dam he's been working on for all this time, and he uses mighty trunks to throw a tree at Lee Shar's helicopter. Damn you, slave master! But then Tiger. Tiger guy in like kind of an awesome crossbow. Yeah, just straight up, straight up tags Percy twice in the chest with a crossbow, killing him. Dude, it's an explosive crossbow too. He's not fucking around. Yeah. Then the helicopter crashes into a UG town. Meanwhile, Stone has hijacked another uh, uh, death cop, death helicopter with a chimpanzee pilot. He picks up the cat and the dog, Gruff and Liana, and they're headed to meet Kinita in ah, the. Sweet. Yeah, in the Yuji town, the villagers yell at Li Shar for their destroying their homes until the tiger commander eats their spokesman. Yeah, because you don't fucking talk back to a human like that, I guess. Definitely. These two guys resolve to go yell at Seth for the plan not going right. We cut to Seth, who's apparently running some kind of long con to take down Kinita. Next episode, Caverns of Blood. You know... I I don't know if I'd like take a vacation to the Caverns of Blood. It's definitely it not sound that fun. Yeah, it's like going to like Death Valley or something like that. You know, you got to know that there's other stuff to see there because the name isn't isn't really selling it. You know. Yeah, maybe it's got like a nice restaurant or something, but I don't You'll know, see. man. Like the Blood <laughs> Caverns themselves, probably not exactly what you want to go and see. It's true. So I'm I'm really digging Meltdown, man. Um, it's sort yeah. of. But although part of it does kind of remind me of um of the la- of the last period of, of late period Dan Dare just because this feels very sort of modern video gamey yeah like if you were put together like a a, a party in like I don't know like it like a Planescape or like a Baldur's <laughs> Gate or something like that you know you have Stone yeah. he's the leader. You have your uh, support some support character with Liana. You got kind of a of a high offense melee DPS guy with Gruff, and then a tank with um with T Bone. You know, that's they're, pretty fair. It's a very tuned computer RPG party right here. <laughs> they're ready to do some damage by fulfilling specific roles within the team. They are ready to reject monetary rewards in favor of getting an alignment boost, yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on a quest and free some UG. Yeah, definitely. Episode 57. Progs 184 to 188. November 1980. Thrill 6. Meltdown Man. Oh, this is the one with the cute moles in it. That's right. Script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. So, the adventuring party of Nick Stone, Liana the Cat Lady, Gruff the Wolfman, and T-Bone the Minotaur are aboard a stolen skull helicopter on the hunt for the psychic evil Yuji leader Kinita. Hooray for D&D. Oh, man, yeah. Well, this is so, like, D&D slash, like, Dragon Age slash, like, whatever, you know? <laughs> I mean, we talked about it earlier, but, like, these guys are yeah. a total D&D party just with a bunch of varied choices and stuff. Um, 
They find them. They soon find themselves at a mine being worked by a bunch of blind mole Yugis, led by one of them with a single eye. So great. And they're very cute and sing like the hi ho song and stuff like that. They dig around with their big old hands. Yeah, it turns out that these moles are the forward guard of Kinita, hiding the entrance to his lair behind a bunch of rocks and stuff. I don't know if I would have chosen moles to be my forward guard, but you work with what you got. I mean, they're just to make it look innocuous, I think, is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, they keep the door to Kinita's lair completely blocked by dirt and rocks and stuff until Stone is able to prove his bona fides. Yep. After getting the okay from Kenneth's psychic message, the team enters the lair and are horrified. Meanwhile, <laughs> evil Lishar tries to get the equally evil King Seth to reveal Stone's location. The snake says Stone is dead, and he might be right, as we see that the team has walked into a horrifying cave where a giant ogre butcher guy is serving beef and then cat, wolf, and human meat. Which, to be served yeah. to Kinita. Oh, the horror. That's uh, that's really convenient because I think that's all four of them. Absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely serving the meat of everybody on the team to Kinita. <laughs> so, oh man, this ugly ogre guy is going to cut our team up and make him in a mixed grill. But Stone argues that everyone has to stay cool and not attack. It's a gamble, but it works. It oh was my god, it was an illusion! Another test by Kinita, who finally appears. He's judged Stone to be a worthy leader of the Resistance. Uh, Kinita's this evil, old, eagle guy. No, he's not evil, sorry. Kinita is an old, eagle guy. He's assisted by a mongoose man. Everybody chills out and gets some food, as the mongoose reveals that he is the ultimate weapon against King Seth. Oh god, this guy's story arc. Meanwhile, Lishar has discovered that Stone is alive, and he, along with the Tiger Commander, wearing anti-King Seth goggles, grabs Seth and head out to take out the Rebels. He takes... He looks pretty cool with his goggles on. Yeah, man. It's cool when animals wear goggles. I don't know. <laughs> um, Lishar takes pretty much all of the uh, troops, all, all the Predator troops from the city... And this makes the uh, the remaining hu- uh, ruling humans freak out and get paranoid. They lock the gates of the city and toss out all non-essential UGs over the top of the wall. And when they say toss out, it's like, yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Back in Canada, lunch is nearly done as Stone checks out an atlas, which seems interesting for some reason, but there's no time! <laughs> Here comes Lee Shar's troops. Oh, no! The Predators are attacking. Ah, and the one-eyed mole gets killed by a crossbow bolt. No. Stone and company prepare to flee, but Kenneta decides to stay. He's too old and frail to make the journey. Stone is the Yuji's only hope. Uh, uh, Kenneta flies out to take down the account and, uh, uh, attackers. He hits several helicopters with mind whammies and uh, crashes into others. The, it's, pre- it's pretty awesome, it's, just like, psychicking around. Totally, yeah. The party escapes into the mines, and Lishar, Tiger Commander, and King Seth arrive at Canada's base. Taka, the mongoose guy, takes a ball and chain to the gut as the moles attack the mink foot troops that are the forward uh, guard of, of Lishar. Jesus. It's just like <laughs> animal murder for the next couple There's a couple lot going minutes. on, man. It's Stone shoots off Tiger Commander's ear, and he blasts a mink in half down the middle. (laughs) And you just see it. 
you just they just show that it's you know this snip gun just cuts stuff and so if you hold it sideways and you hit a mink with it it's gonna freaking bisect that mink and be cool as hell that's so fucking gross <laughs> uh King Seth get uh King Seth gets free and begins to start his own plans, which involve hypnotizing Nick Stone to shoot himself in the head as rebellion breaks out in the city. Kill every human. It's pretty awesome. Just a burning city on the back page. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of um, a bu- for a, a bunch of Meltdown Man. It looks like the last page of Meltdown Man is the back cover of the comic, so it's in color, which is very neat. Yeah. So, King Seth almost succeeds in getting Stone to kill himself until Taka the Mongoose comes back to life and intervenes. It's time for some Ricky Taka Tavi action as <laughs> Taka reflects King Seth's hypno beams. But before the snake can be killed, Taka is taken down by Tiger Commander. Snapped in half backwards. It's awesome, yeah. Tiger Commander is my favorite. Um, <laughs> He's just, ah, I'm gonna kill. Just like, does it? Yeah, amazing. Him and I, uh, him and T Bone the Minotaur. Those are my top two. <laughs> They're big dudes. I like, I like the big guys. I don't know. I like the big guys for my anthropomorphic, um, you know, murder guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick is weaponless. He finds himself on a ledge with no means of escape as Lee Shar and TC bear down on him. But he suddenly manages to escape. A giant eagle and a giant vulture have grabbed him and are flying him to safety until Lashar shoots them down and stone plummets to the earth. The rest of the party goes to check on him as Lashar returns to the city to put down the rebellion. He finds the city in flames, a full-scale insurrection, as the team finds Nick Stone's body. He's dead! Holy crap. Guess yeah. we better put him in this hole. Dig a shallow grave. The Gorps have dug a grave for Nick, but he comes to as they start shoveling the dirt onto him. Uh, Stone is alive. We find out Stone is alive as Lee Shard as goons drop special gas on the rebelling UGs, making them fight amongst themselves with terrifying ferocity. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like a rebellion just put down a la insanity. Definitely. Meanwhile, Nick arrives at a nearby farm and manages basically to trick the farm owner into loaning him a car. He's got very curly hair. Yeah, this guy, yeah, this farmer's got super curly hair. He basically just like Nick shows up and like, "Hey, I'm a human. You're a human. Uh, loan me a car." He's like, "Sure. You want some mink troops to go along with that?" And <laughs> Nick's like, "Nah, not really." And he's like, "Ah, take him anyway." And so then Nick's got to <laughs> beat him up so he can take the car. <laughs> Butts him in the face with a rifle and then shoots another in the gut with a rifle. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so the team get piles into the vehicle. They head out to help the rebellion, but it's already been put down. Lashar is using ki- and as this happens, King uh, Lashar is using King Seth to hypnotize the remaining human leaders to rebel to obey his commands. Lashar is in control. The team arrives to find the few remaining survivors of the rebellion still fighting amongst each other, tooth and claw, under the effect of the gas. God, the like dog eats that pig's throat yes. too. Seeing the full extent of humans' cruelty in this world, Nick resolves that he will lead the rebellion. No more, Mister Nice Guy. This time, it's this time, it's war. Next episode, you lot are gonna teach me everything you know about this crazy world. I wonder what the plot's gonna be. 
Hey, I think it's gonna be awesome. Yep. Episode 58. Progs 189 to 192. December 1980. five Meltdown Man. Whew. Script robot for Meltdown Man, Alan Hebden, art robot, Masmo Bellardinelli, lettering robot, Jack Potter. So... Things continue to become awesome. Yeah, man, you know, Lishar is in control of the big capital city. He outlaw he outlines his plan to rebuild it as a terrifying com- police state, complete with hardcore accelerated breeding programs. Bounce chicka wow wow. Hey man, he needs more predators. It's true. Yeah. Lishar thinks Stone is dead, and while King Seth knows otherwise, he's keeping it to himself. Time to take a nap. Yeah, meanwhile, the party hunts for foods and plans their next move. A plan forms. So, like, they've got these snip guns, right, Fox? They cut things in half and they're super awesome, but they yeah. only they, they require a human fingerprint to fire. So, if we're going to have a rebellion, we're going to get need to get some weapons for all the UGs. Luckily... Some, God, D&D is fuck. I'm just... <laughs> Luckily, um... Nick Stone has managed to sketch up an easy-to-build rendition of an AK-47. Uh, he just needs some dudes to build them. Well, that's because he rolled a natural 20 on fucking his knowledge of weaponsmithing. Oh, he's got like a plus 8. That's like a favored skill. That, that, that's a favored skill for him in a class. That's all, in and, and, uh, and that skill also relates to an attribute that he that's a main one for his class and stuff. You can make, make me make D and D references, sort of expose oh, the business I love here. You. Um, so please be my dungeon master again. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So anyhow, Liana suggests <laughs> was that sexual? <laughs> Liana suggests that she and Stone go to the Gorilla Smiths in a city far to the west, while T Bone uh, and Gruff head to their respective races' as homelands to rally them as troops. It's a combination. In cutaways that can only be rivaled by bad video game RPGs. I mean, this stuff is literally like the first Dragon Age. <laughs> like... Dude, all I'm saying is, is that clearly Hebden and Bellardinelli are like they're bros, and fucking like D and D is a huge thing, and they're like, well, how can we make a D and D thing? That's not true, man. This is 1980. This is like all this got all the other st- all the D and D and stuff steals from this. <laughs> God, <laughs> that's the that's the timeline. That's the timeline, bro. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, the you know the, what? the timeline is that this D&D is happened. that this is in 1980. Like D and D is just a bunch of is just like played by dudes in one garage in Wisconsin at this point. <laughs> I mean, maybe they've really got their finger on that Wisconsin pulse. It's it's publication wor- 1974 original oh. date 1977 for first. Okay, we're getting off topic, but whatever. I'm right. I think. <laughs> whatever, bro. I'm. I. I just. Wa- <laughs> I just want to say that that while it is kind of D and D, it's so absolutely Dragon Age. Like it, it's not even funny. Four thousand um, percent accurate. Yeah. But so T Bone. You know, his people are the Minotaur Vatmen that are these super tough, ultra-disciplined guys, whereas Gruff is a member of this of these brigands of just sort of the dregs of UG society. So it's like, you know, tough, um, main, tough, like, uh, core, and then a uh, billion, like, um, nothing-to-lose skirmishers. Oh, it's just a cool military force. 
<laughs> secret orders all around like mason bulls and mm-hmm. bandit and, and uh, anarchist anarchist just sort of catch-alls it's <laughs> great so it looks like a plan when suddenly the predators attack oh god there's tiger people everywhere yeah Meltdown Man gets um, the prime middle Prague location in in Prague 190. Right, color the, map. Yeah, the attacking predators are quickly taken down by De- Nick's deft hand with a snip gun. He just like straight up just like takes one shot and takes down two uh, trailers full of predator troops. Our guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's super, super duper awesome. Our guys are safe, but it's time to split up and we get a map of the world. It looks very cool. It also looks uh, familiar, Fox. You'll see. Despite their constant fighting... Is it like like Britain? No. Despite their constant fighting, Liana and Gruff are sad to be separated. But the plan is on. Lishar investigates that lost patrol, realizes that Stone is still alive. They call in their best trackers, a pair of bloodhound UGs, to find the human. King Seth is worried because his deception has been revealed. Oh my god. T-Bone and Gruff have traveled together for a bit, but now split up as T-Bone gets aboard the monorail and to meet with the Minotaur Vatmen. The monorail is used by human and Yuji alike, though naturally it's segregated and humans are super assholes about it. <laughs> T-Bone is now radicalized to be anti-human, but sort of swallows that for now, instead just helping an anteater lady get up some stairs because she's denied use of the elevator despite being a frail old anteater lady. He's real sweet. He's a good guy. Yeah, Old totally. Gold. Yeah. Meanwhile, the trackers have managed to find Gruff, but he's a fast traveler, running 20 miles an hour all day long. The Dad, blood... Good. Sorry. I had some dog facts. So I learned that, uh, like, the way that, like, uh, racing sled dogs work is that mm-hmm. they the way in which they convert fat allows them to go for longer distances, which is why, apparently if they do successive races they actually perform better interesting so i believe this someone knew about some dogs yeah i mean it's just a cool thing to say of just like you know here's this wolf that can run forever <laughs> yeah man <laughs> so the bloodhounds give chase traveling by night as well as day <clears throat> finally they catch up to gruff but their hunger for his fresh cooked rabbit gives them away it's a fight so let's throw some fire in a dude's face. Totally. Gruff escapes into a river, not realizing that it's a river full of deadly piranhas. It's Bad Fish River. Uh, I mean, lucky for him, he's a main character, so yeah. he gets some advantage rolls and shit yeah, like he, that. He barely escapes and one of the while one of the bloodhounds is skeletonized. The other tracker, Billy the Pup, is still on the case. I mean, there you go. That's all he needed to know. Oh, yeah. Back Someone at the... got turned into a skeleton. <laughs> Dog skeleton. Back at the city, which we now know is called uh, Sutermunda, uh, mm-hmm. Lishar and Tiger Commander return to settle King Seth's hash, but they find his jailers all hypnotized and King Seth escaped. Seth tries to lay low, but is spotted by some pig UGs that try to kill him, but instead gets psi-blasted. A posse of UGs prepares to take down the reptile, but are stopped by a passing predator guard. All of this is happening as T-Bone is getting off the monorail at the uh, <laughs> at the capital, and Seth sort of finds him. He mind whammies T-Bone and has the Minotaur put the snake in a sack to take him with him. So it's sort of a, a roadblock Cobra Commander kind of situation from the G.I. Joe movie. 
Um, T-Bone makes his way to the temporary vats that the Minotaurs have built to deal with all the corpses and, you know, just semi-dead people from the recent rebellion, including a predator that was sentenced to death by Lashar for having a button missing on his uniform. Hey, man, look good, feel good. Hey, you know, you gotta have the rags, you know? The yeah. vats remain incredibly horrifying. <laughs> and T-Bone meets with his buddy Spare Rib. It's time to organize these minotaurs against these humans. Next time on Meltdown Man, into the plague mire. So awesome. God damn, like, this comic, though. Just so a lot good. going on. I loved the frogman that they put in this. Yeah, the, uh, the townsfolk that, like, organized to go after King Seth. And just, like, actually, just the Yuji Townsfolk in general are, are really fun. Like, there's, like, a family of pig people. There's, like, a frog guy. There's some goat guys and stuff. Just sort of, like, the, um... Like, I'd buy, like, an, an, an art... A, uh, an art of Meltdown Man that was just kind of, like, a bunch of, like, concept drawings oh, of, yeah. like, all the townspeople and stuff like that, you know? Once again, may the estate of Massimo Bellardinelli <laughs> please contact me. I will buy things it'd be cool man the this is actually collect like meltdown man is collected in addition that i bet has some fun stuff in it episode 60 progs 193 to 197 january 1981 304 meltdown man oh that's good script- like meltdown man. yeah man script robot for meltdown man alan hebden art robot massimo bello Dinelli, lettering robot jack potter so a bunch of no-good kids are hunting a gazelle Yuji for sport, mortally injuring it with some bolas, and then just leaving it to die in agony. While they take a picnic, and yeah. it's just like, please finish me, get like mercy murder me. Their, their picnic is serenaded by the death screams of this gazelle Yuji. Oh my god. <laughs> Luckily, Nick Stone and Liana are there to kill the human's guards and take the kids hostage. They finish off the gazelle and steal the kid's car, making them walk back, even though, oh, it's hot, we're wearing flip-flops. <laughs> Nick gives Liana a chance to kill the kids, but she doesn't, which apparently proves something about Yuji not ha- Yuji's not having like the pure monstrous hatred of humans. I I don't know. Anyhow, um, the pair <laughs> drives out to their next destination, the evil Plague Mire. Welcome to Plague Mire, Fox. Your car just broke down. It's uh, it's really detailed and beautiful. It's it's pretty similar to the uh, to the mushroom forest of of, of Blackhawk of just mm. Bellardinelli drawing this massive background of like a forested you know this huge forest and swamp and stuff. Super gross. Yeah. So Nick and Liana start walking through the swamp, Princess Bride style. When Liana, <sighs> with Liana explaining that the mire is both home to the deadly Meta Plague and is full of wild Yugi's of different random types, like the eel Yugi trying to eat Liana, <laughs> or the rodents of unusual size. Absolutely, yeah. This thing is re- introduced as a conga, which is an animal mm. I'd never heard of. I looked it up. It apparently is not an animal, but might be like a conger eel that is being misspelled oh. for some reason here. I don't know. Huh. You know, I mean, I'm I'm happy to accept things that in England they they call them congas instead of congers. I'm thinking that this is more someone said, "Oh yeah," it's some English guy said, "Oh right, put a conga in the in in the meltdown man." And like Alan Hebden didn't understand that and just heard him say conga, and so there here we are. Like any anything could happen. Anyhow, any 
Uh, Nick fights it off. <laughs> yeah. And that night afterwards, they're attacked by a pair of horrifying vampire bat Yuji and Yuji's. And now Nick and Liana both have the meta plague. Not great, yeah. I guess. Liana runs off into the night and bumps into a bunch of like monkey and crocodile men while Nick stays put, but suddenly sees that his hair and beard are growing at an incredible rate. It's the plague. Oh my god. And then uh, the crocodile guy and the other dude, they're not evil, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so both Nick and Liana have the meta plague. They're ravenously hungry. Their hair is growing at insane rates. Liana, like, they're just, like, g- g- pulling random animals off of tree stumps and sh- slamming them in their faces. Just eating rats left yeah. and right. Liana gets trapped in a pit trap by the locals. Meanwhile, Nick Stone falls and breaks his leg, but then it instantly heals. This gives him an idea. He takes he uh, takes the UG village hostage and eats all their food, making Liana <laughs> eat food too. He eats six months worth of food in one sitting. But oh eventually the plague burns itself out. So that's the cure, basically. You can cure the plague if whoever gets it eats six months of food in like a two-hour period. So, you know, just start stocking up food, I guess, because that's like a reasonable <laughs> cure. Anyhow. <laughs> wow. This means that it's time for haircuts and new character models. Oh, yes. Oh, so my God. Nick gets she a beard. like a human. Yeah, and Liana just goes straight human. She's got waist-length hair. She's got a new outfit with a mini skirt. It's time to go. It's really weird how Liana is the only person, with the only Yuji with a human face. Like, yeah, I'm calling them on it, you know? <laughs> um, um, also, I will no longer be referring to him as anything other than Snake Plissken. <laughs> He's full with the eye patch and the beard and stuff. It's good. So they're awesome. they're full of plague mire, it, or they're through the plague mire. It's time to check in on the other parts of the team. Oh man, I love the man of team in. Yeah, man, we cut to Gruff, who's hanging out at a Riverside Bar. It's super awesome. There's platypus people. There's a bunch of manatee guys. It's real cool. Manatee guys, very friendly, very good guys to hang out with at the bar, apparently. But then Billy the pup barges in to arrest Gruff. The, the, the river folk go along with this at first, but then they soon think better of it, and they start a barroom yes. rumble to help Gruff escape. They're successful, but Lee Shar orders them all killed for his ins- for their insolence. He does this over the phone as he and Tiger Commander are searching for King Seth, the hypnotic Cobra Yuji that's currently in T-Bone the Bull Man's sack. Like the Dude. sack he carries over his shoulder. That's what I'm trying to I say. I love the name Tiger Commander. <laughs> totally, man. So yeah, it's, it's like Tiger Millionaire on the Steven Universe. But anyhow. Exactly. The only place they haven't looked is the Vats. In the Vats, T-Bone is addressing the secret society of Vatmen about joining with Stone. The Batmen are in favor of it until Lee Shar and his goons arrive. Luckily, having a sack full of King Seth enables T-Bone to mind whammy his way to safety. <laughs> T-Bone heads out to talk to the other Vatman societies, taking King Seth with him as Seth schemes. So, with their looks changed, Nick and Liana chance going to a predator post to demand transport to the town of Anvil, because it'll take forever for them to get there on the donkeys they just got from that Yuji town they ate a year's <laughs> worth of food for. So, <laughs> the country bumpkin minks there buy their ruse, and soon the pair is speeding to Anvil. But their predator driver recognizes them and tries to secretly radio ahead to have them arrested. But don't worry, 
he thought ahead, I guess. Yeah. At Anvil, the uh, they go to to Mugger and Son, Master Metalsmiths, and Stone reveals that he has disabled the car's radio ahead of time, so there's no help coming, Gorp. <laughs> as, uh, as Stone explains his plans to the Gorilla Blacksmiths, he casually judo throws the Predator into a vat full of molten metal. Um, Whoops. just as he's explaining, so hey, when is Nick Stone gonna melt, dude? He's a meltdown man. He hasn't melted. Anyhow, the uh, <laughs> the gorillas agree to the plan. In his head, he's calling the gun he's designing an AK-47 machine pistol, which I'm not sure is a thing that exists. But let's not kind of get into gun nut territory here. With the plan sent to the blacksmiths, and they're working on it. It's time for Stone and Liana to go to the rendezvous point where they'll meet Gruff and T-Bone. I hope they're okay. Next episode, Seize the Wolf! We need more meat for supper! (laughs) (laughs) I like the uh, the, the meta-plague as a stealth way to, like, change the looks of of Nick and Liana. Like, they were tired of Liana having short hair and wearing a jumpsuit, so they just had her grow her hair out and wear a miniskirt now. (laughs) Like... It's, uh... It's an entire episode just for it. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting choice and it's an interesting way to do it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I and like she's still a cat, Yuji. Oh yeah. So yeah. why are you humanizing that? You know who can who can know the mind of this sort of thing? <laughs> episode sixty one, Progs one hundred and ninety eight to two hundred and one. February 1981. Thrill 5, Meltdown Man. (laughs) I want to hear your explanation for this. But first, (laughs) script script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. All right, Meltdown Man. (laughs) Dude, so it's, because it has has Batman, Mm -hmm. it has Catwoman, Mm. and it has the Penguin. Wait, who's the penguin? Is it one of the one of the goons? Is there a penguin in there? Uh, it's Danny DeVito. No, I, I meant Meltdown Man. Who's the penguin? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I mean, I didn't have one, but you know, it's like anthropomorphic, kind of. You know, that's whatever. fair. Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so, I don't promise that my jokes are well crafted. I just don't? promise that you could, if you squinted, call them jokes. I like them. <laughs> Uh, so, Gruff the Wolfman is on his way to meet the UG Brigands. On his way, he runs into a predator camp, despite warnings from Vulture Man lookouts. This leads to a confrontation, with Gruff being saved by the Brigands' main force, led by Polax the Bear Man! I mean, like, I love Bear Men. <laughs> yeah, since, why not? Since Shiko, and since, uh, uh, God, why am I forgetting his name? Ursa? Yeah, like, we're ready. This guy, this guy's pretty great too. Yeah. And he's nuts. Gruff was expecting a different leader, like a lion guy, and is worried about Polax's loyalty, but explains the plan to him anyway. Polax immediately decides to betray Gruff and Nick Stone and take the guns for himself, of course. Um, of course. And because Billy the pup, the predator tracker, is closing in on Gruff, Polax sends Gruff back to Stone along with a pair of goons that are supposed to protect him from Billy the Pup, but instead prepare to kill him in his sleep. Yeah, they're sharpening his knives while, like, he's sleeping in the most awkward way. His, like, face is on the ground, but his butt is in the air. It's 
I mean, I've seen enough enough like internet pictures of dogs sleeping weird to make this seem realistic. Um, exactly. Gr- Gruff dreams of Polax's betrayal and wakes up from his nightmare only to find him actually find himself actually being betrayed by Polax's men. <laughs> the, That's weird. Sixth sense there, Don yeah, Buddy. The timely interaction of Billy the pup intervention of Billy the pup allows Gruff to escape, but now Billy and Lashar. Uh, know where he's heading, a place called the Frying Pan, where another band of Yuji Renegades live. Meanwhile, T-Bone, along with King Seth in the sack, uh, get aboard a paddle boat to meet Stone <laughs> and Liana at the first rendezvous point, the Hell Drop. The Hell's Drop, I should say. Which, so. I guess, is like, the easiest way to to get there is by what they call a paddle steamer. Yeah. It really just looks like a steamboat. Basically. Apart. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a sort of UG based and stuff. But yeah, you know, you go, it's a big waterfall, so you take the river. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Along the way, some humans capsize a nearby UG fishing vessel, but all, like, the lifeguard and harbor patrol there are only there for humans, not UGs. T-Bone intervenes and almost gets himself arrested until King Seth has the predators start ramming human boats. King Seth in a sack. He's like, ah, I guess just go kill him. Yeah. They, I guess they do. After this happens, Lee Shar, uh, he hears about it and realizes that Seth must be aboard that paddle boat giving people instructions. Uh, and it might, and following them might even lead him to Stone. We gotta stop that snake. And hey, why not kill Stone in the process too, right? So, you know, you get them all in one basket and you drop that basket. So, Hell's down of waterfall. Oh yeah, Hell's Drop is a big old waterfall that UGs can ride down barrel style, and if they live, they're granted human status. But of course, no one lives. And on the other side of this cliff that's facing the waterfall are a bunch of humans cheering for blood. Oh yeah, humans are all—all all these humans are terrible, dude. One hundred. If there's a way for them to be terrible, they are doing it. <laughs> it's like straight out, man. Yeah. Stone sees T-Bone, and as he and Leon go to meet him, they are in turn sighted by Lee Shar and Tiger Commander, and the hunt is on! Tiger Commander! He's the best! Lee Shar and Tiger Commander, they're in there, that scorpion-looking death helicopter thing. Stone and Liana grab a motorboat, they dodge some missiles, they just have general sort of helicopter versus motorboat, uh, you know, boat action. But eventually, yeah. they go over the falls! Well, they, they they shoot a fucking beam that magically makes their fucking engine disappear. They're yeah. like cut in half. It's good. And so they just fall down falls without a thing. But yeah, and why not blow up a steamboat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Tiger Commander sees T Bone in the steamboat, and then they fire at it and blow him up, uh, trying to get him and King Seth. Stone and Liana survive the falls, boat intact. They pick up the bodies of T-Bone and Seth, who are okay, and they paddle off to safety. Uh, and weirdly, like, befriend Seth, because I guess Seth's got some info. Well, you know, Stone's about to throttle Seth or let him drown or something, and then Seth explains that he knows how to get Stone home. And in doing so, he reveals the truth about the map of the world we saw a few episodes, a few issues ago, which is that it's actually a map of upside-down South America! Bam, bam, bam! Oh my god! <laughs> so... Lishar and the Predators investigate the wreckage of the various boats, but find no sign of Stone, Seth, and the others. Meanwhile, Stone is kind of in full freakout mode about this world being (laughs) upside down South America, like the sun rises in the west and things like that from our perspective of what South America looks like now. 
Uh, but it's cut short by the arrival of some Predator scouts. The team manages to trick them by hiding on, on the underside of a cliff in a cavern and make camp. Damn, we gotta get the hell out of here. Yeah, Stone sends T-Bone and Liana out to scout while he talks to Seth on his own, learns that this planet that they're on is Earth, but thousands of years in the future, and apparently a lot has changed. I feel like you ain't getting back now, bud. Mm. But before they can even get into it, T-Bone interrupts them because torches have appeared on the horizon, which is very odd. Liana went to investigate, but hasn't come back in a while. We find that she's got her leg trapped in a creeper vine and has been caught by Polaxe and his goons. And instead of, like, what you would think would happen as adults, they're like, now nah, we're going to kick her up. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Polax's goons, Fox, I gotta say. Like, previ- oh, that's because they are holding torches and looking silly. Yeah, man. Previously, they had like a, a warthog goon. Like, that was one of the ones that was escorting Gruff. I think at the end of this, he's got like a tapir goon, I believe. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does have a tapir. So, like, they just got there's a lot of biodiversity in these brigands, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, what's a tapir fucking Yuji gonna be for? It's when we get in sort of the edges of these places that we see the Yuji's that really don't. Like, what, what, why do they make this Yuji? Like, what's a vulture Yuji supposed to do? <laughs> you know? I mean, I would imagine eat, like, all the garbage meat so it doesn't smell so bad or but, whatever. But, like, they but... toss garbage in the vats, buddy. That doesn't even make sense yeah, within the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, I got no answer for yeah. you because, like, vultures are the ugliest bird. I don't know. It's fun, though, man. Uh, Meltdown Man. Got a lot of action, got a lot of animal men, got some (laughs) crazy revelations now. I don't know what else you want from Meltdown Man at this point. (laughs) I I want it to be made into a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movie. Oh my gosh. Like rubber suits and like Bebop and Rocksteady situations, you know? Bad overacting. Oh man. Okay, yeah, I could get, I I would kickstart this idea. All right. (laughs) I write? Like, get the Henson people to fucking get behind it. Make it look good. Yeah, man. It's a real fun story, for sure. Episode 62. Progs 202 to 205. March 1981. Thrill 5. Meltdown Man. Script robot Alan Hebden. Art robot Massimo Belladonelli. Lettering robot Jack Potter. So, okay. Tough question here, Conrad. Mm. Is eating a UG... Uh, cannibalism for us. No. Oh, it's only cannibalism if it's the same species as you. So, so a person eating a person, a wolf man eating a wolf man, uh, a bear man eating a bear man. That's cannibalism. But a bear man eating, oh, a, eating a cat lady, no, that's fine. Okay, so you saw where my logical train of thought was going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Liana the cat woman is being burned at the stake by these uh, jerk renegade Yugis really not great nah nick stone and t-bone the minotaur intervene and stone's snip gun is enough to make the renegade leader polax play nice and free liana until he sees that nick is out of ammo now it's yeah it's time to scram our heroes flee but nick gets cornered by polax who is about to kill him when he suddenly goes dumb and wanders away thanks to the timely intervention of the psychic powers of king seth Dude, King Seth has him, like, set himself on fire. It's all, yeah, he gets entranced by his torch and then try to eat that torch. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the rebel team heads back to Anvil to keep the renegades from getting their hands on those machine pistols. Oh, man. 
And this is important. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the frying pan, which is a great uh, salt flat, Gruff the Wolfman has been spotted by a predator base suffering from heat, heat exhaustion and dehydration. Wolf's, uh, or sorry, Gruff stumbles into the base and is taken prisoner. Meanwhile, the predators try to, like, take his horse for eating purposes, but it escapes. <laughs> Dude, this, by the way, is like my favorite one. Of all of the meltdown men, it's cool, man. Yeah, the uh, the uh, horse the uh, horse is wrangled by a couple of cheetah guys, and they bring it back to their leader, or sorry, by a couple of wolf dudes on camels, I should say. Yes, they bring it back to their leader, who's a camel dude who identifies it as belonging to his old buddy Gruff. As dude, he's like, man, this guy's awesome, and so yeah, we got to help his name him. Name is Effendi Caleb. Yeah, Caleb the Camel Man. So when, awesome. When, as Billy the Pup arrives to take Gruff into custody, the desert brigands attack with dope cheetah men coming down, uh, taking down <laughs> a helicopter by throwing chains at it. Gruff is saved by the forces of Caleb the, Cam- the Camel Man. What I love is that uh, if you if you look at the uh, bottom left panel where they're mm-hmm. attacking the helicopter, yeah, the name of the cheetah guy is on his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> So I gotta wonder if they both do, and because they kind of, you know, look the same, I mean, if they're gonna strip down, you might as well, like, kind of put your name on it, I guess. You don't want somebody else stealing your underwear, buddy. <laughs> as, uh, as as Gruff goes to talk to Caleb, we see Billy the Pup has gained a grudging respect for Gruff, as the Wolfman explains the rebellion plan to Caleb. Which is awesome. Back, I'm excited. Yeah, back at Anvil, Lishar, Tiger Commander, and an army of predators <laughs> descend onto the city of Anvil to find the guns that Stone has made. The brutal searches end in at least one predator being roasted in the face by a forge, but no weapons are found. Lishar, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Some awesome stuff is about to well, happen. Lishar <laughs> orders a brutal punishment. He has one third of the city's population sent to the vats, which which kills them basically. This causes some townsfolk to want to give up the info, but they are instead told to stand back and wait for revenge. And he- revenge apparently is way more fueling. Mm. Even the bullmen that operate the vats are forced to go to give up a third, and they walk to their doom in an orderly line, like true awesome bullman dudes. Dude, it was great. He's like, hey, everybody who's like a senior, step forward. Yeah, and they just forward march right into the vats. That's so cool. After Lishar leaves, Nick and his team return to console the survivors and pull the completed weapons out of their hiding place inside the vats. Oh my god, the one place those weird minks would never look. Yeah, now these gorps have a bunch of AKs and everybody is in trouble. (laughs) The war is on. I mean, he's literally shaking with excitement. Yeah. A weird thing is that they keep calling these guns machine pistols when they're clearly yeah. like AK-47s and like assault rifles or something. And I pa- no idea. Yeah, part of me wonders if this isn't some comics code thing, like how you're only like how good guys are only allowed to use like pistols or something, or like maybe like pistols and shotguns or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like we have something similar to that in America at this time where you um where they did where you couldn't have realistic guns in comics and that's why everybody uses ray guns basically like that's why there's so many sci-fi heroes and stuff because contemporary guns are literally outlawed by the uh, comics code wow 
holy crap. Yeah, so I wonder if this is a similar thing where they got to, you know, they're calling them machine pistols because somehow saying that they were assault rifles would, like, um, with anger, like, the parents' groups always flying like vultures to take down 2000 AD, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, just don't look too closely and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, so Polak and his brigands are marching on Anvil, robbing and pillaging as they go. Meanwhile, with the guns in hand, Stone has 12 hours to train the Yugis of Anvil how to shoot, while dodging the bullets that Seth ends up shooting by shoot by pulling the trigger one of the guns with his tail. Dude. Th- that evening, Stone and Liana chill out, and s- uh. <laughs> in, in some parts that's just for the fellas, and... <laughs> Um, and they sight some humans planning to take them down like they see like the the, the glow from their spy glasses or something. Stone and Leon are... are being a smart-ass dude. Yeah, they get taken prisoner as the humans' main force of predators go out to fight uh, Polax's brigands. But Stone reveals that this is all part of a clever ruse. He offers the humans a chance to join him on the side of the rebellion because he's going to need some human allies. Um, especially because an orderly rebellion of cool UGs is way better than a bunch of crazy-ass brigands. And this <laughs> is proved as the sun rises and we see uh, that the brigands are at the Anvil city gates and their path to Anvil is lined with the skewered corpses of predator troops. It's horrific. It's pretty... Like, it yeah. is insanity. It's awesome. Next episode, I want Stone alive. Yeah, for eating. Hey, why not? I mean, he's a big bear. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. If I've, I've learned anything from 2018, it's that bears gonna eat you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be for eating. It could be for uh, for getting more human technology and stuff. You know, we'll see. But yeah, shocking events <laughs> and meltdown, man. This month, Fox episode 63, progs 206 to 209, April 1981. Thrill five. Meltdown Man. <laughs> Script robot for Meltdown Man. Al- Alan Hebden, art robot, Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot, Jack Potter. So, what happens when you put a polar bear on a uh, on a chariot? <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. Polax and his goons prepare to attack Anvil as Nick Stone struggles to com- to convince the humans there to team up with the Rebel UGs. The majority of the humans try to flee via monorail, but the tracks and trains are destroyed by the brigands. It's, and not like, just like, oh, like, we blew up the tracks or whatever. No, no. it's like, while all these passenger trains are on there, they just fucking explode it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Similarly, human attempts to hold off the predators fail, as their arrogance means they have terrible tactics. St- wow. Yeah, Stone and his UGs manage to run the brigands off with a horde of AK fire, and Polax is routed as the remaining humans agree to work with the rebellion. But someone's missing. As he flees, Polax finds the unconscious body of Liana and resolves to take her to Lishar, hopefully for a reward. That's some crap. Meanwhile, in a case of mistaken identity, Gruff the Wolfman is being executed by a bunch of country gorps. Uh, flashback to Gruff back at, uh, hanging out with his buddy Caleb the Camel. Caleb agrees to fight with Stone, and Gruff heads up to meet at the second rendezvous point. Uh, mm-hmm. Caleb gives Gruff a, gra- a guide armless, this goat UG, who doesn't have any arms, since the name. And things are going pretty good until Billy the Pope the Pup attacks! 
oh my god, I'm here, I'm here to get your wolf. Oh my god, why is this goat kicking the shit out of me with its feet? Armless uses some awesome kick-based martial arts fighting as Gruff escapes. Soon, oh my god. our buddies the Cheetah Men are after Billy, who escapes down a cliffside into a forest and manages to get his bearings in time to see Gruff thrown into the sky, presumably as part of his execution. Jeez. But it looks like actually the execution uh, setup, which is basically tying Gruff to two different trees and then cutting the rope, sort of tying the two trees together so the trees would snap back up and rip them in half, like sort of... Like, by whipping his two legs in different directions and then, you know, splitting them that way and be, whoa, be gross. Um, instead, that's malfunctioned and now Gruff's swinging around by one tree as the mob calls for his blood. Luckily... And just getting pitchforks real close to his body. Oh, yeah. Luckily, Billy the Pup, the pup in- intervenes. Gruff couldn't be the wolf they're looking for. The villagers are skeptical but agree to put Gruff in jail while Billy finds the real culprit. Gruff asks Billy to join their side, but Billy is not interested. Meanwhile, back in Anvil, Stone decides to go and rescue Liana, and he takes King Seth along, just in case, and has T-Bone start distributing guns around to various, you know, rebel cells around the world. Hey, man, we don't want to get, like... What, what happened to them? Crucified? No. Or did they get stuck with uh, They got, they got impaled on stakes, I believe. Yeah, by, no, the, by, the, by the brigands, so yeah. Here's all these guns. <laughs> exactly. Seth and Stone head out in a sweet future car as Stone drives fast and makes <laughs> uh, Seth explain more backstory of this world. Yes, uh, it was a meteor. Yeah, it turns out a huge asteroid hit the South Pole, which flipped Earth completely, like upside down. North is south, the sun rises in the west, etc., Oh my god. This caused massive devastation to the point that the humans currently living in space at the time didn't even bother to mount a rescue or anything. Ah, oh, they're just dead, I guess. The uh yep. folks on no Earth no sense in doing anything here. <laughs> nope. The folks on Earth are on their own. Wait, wait, wait. What's that about space guys? <laughs> um yeah. Seth said he <laughs> just added that because it's part of a fun legend. This sort of brush off of that anger stone, and they start to get in like a fight in the car. Seth triggers a psychic blast, and they all go flying off the cliff. You know it's a powerful psychic blast because it hurts Nick Stone in both of his eyes, one of which is just an eye patch. <laughs> uh, stone and Seth are found by a band of UG gypsies in cool, like tiny car houses. Like they're basically just a tiny house with a with a car in the front. Um, this is weird. And uh, hey, it's a lion. We've heard of one of those before. Yeah, there's a bunch of wolfman types, and our leader is Leo the Lion Man, who is, in fact, the former leader of the Yuji brigands that Polax uh, uh, took over. Leo yeah. agrees to help Stone uh, find Polax, and the trio of Stone, Seth, and Leo head out on Polax's trail. With, uh, with Seth inside of a cooking pot. <laughs> Take that, Seth. So Polax is approaching the human capital of Sutermunda and is soon picked up by Lee Shar and my favorite Tiger Commander. Uh, well, no, my second favorite, <laughs> Tiger I guess. Commander! But I love Tiger Commander. Polax tries to cut a deal, but is beaten into submission by their goons. Uh, Liana and Lee Shar have a full-on supervillain moment where Liana warns Lee Shar that Stone is going to get him. And Lee Shar is like, you think I've been sitting here doing nothing? And he's about to unveil some new and terrible thing he's been cooking up to take down Stone. I think 
What you mean is he's really preparing himself for a long-ass diatribe slash monologue. Always. Next episode, The Secret. Oh, uh, yeah. who's going to tell it? Oh, man, it's going to be a bunch of positive thoughts. Maybe Stone's going to put together a vision board. It's tough. He's got one eye, so it's hard to have that kind of vision. Ah, it's a joke oh about God. The Secret. <laughs> Fucking goddamn it, Conrad. <laughs> oh man, these jokes are mighty, Fox. Episode 64. Progs 210 to 214. May 1981. Thrill 5, Meltdown Man. I would have also accepted, like, Meltdown Man uh, chills out for the beginning crawl. <laughs> That's good. So, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Jack Potter. Hey, uh, hey remember Escape from Armageddon? Uh, sorry, I mean Meltdown Man. That's mm-hmm. happening too. I said Escape from Armageddon. Yeah, you keep God, saying it, buddy. <laughs> you got to stop having joke names for things. You're going to say them on the actual show. I'm keeping all this in. <laughs> no. <laughs> A uh, a pair of mink UGs are on the watch for Stone, but are easily distracted by a sexy mink lady projection by King Seth. Uh, Which, you know, King Seth, you're going to kill guys by being horny? That's a little weird. I mean, it happens to so many of us. Stone, <laughs> Seth, and Louis the Lion are heading into the capital to free Liana from Lishar. A lot of alliteration here. Uh, we, we see Lishar in his throne room. He's gloating over the, over a poleaxe having been beaten into submission. And then he packs oh. everybody up to Snow City in the north for ominous stuff. He, he, so two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Commander, first off, runner up for hashtag uh, best character 1981. Totally. I <laughs> love Tiger Commander, so- buddy. He's got like the coolest name, and he's so awesome. He's got the look, people. Yeah, God, <laughs> and the name. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's all branding. But yeah, okay. But, uh, <laughs> Lee Shar says uh, possibly the coolest bad guy shit I've heard in a, heard in a while, which is, you know, it, it, Polax is brought in, and uh, Tiger Man is like, dude, I totally broke him. Check this out, and he's like groveling, and uh, Lee Shar's like, that's what I like—a heartfelt grovel. <laughs> Like, that's yeah. good evil <laughs> that's a pretty good bad guy yeah they see so our our boys see the bad guys head off seth explains that uh snow city is the home of the eugenic bioform research center where all the ugs were made initially he then gives some world building about how after the poles switched all the animals got huge and mutated and the surviving humans used directed evolution to turn them into the useful UGs we have today. This was like the lamest world building I've seen so far. Like, mm. I, I've been pretty excited to hear about where UGs came from. Yeah. And I was really hoping it was just like subhumans from the fuck up plus animal genes mm, kind of interesting. Jurassic Park it together. Yeah. Which I, I would have liked, but this one was just like, uh, they were like big monsters, and then we turned them into little monsters. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the baddies arrive at Snow City, and then Snow City's pretty cool. It's like a sweet combo of like an ice city and a tech city, completely like a yeah. giant satellite dish coming out of the roof and all that stuff. Yep, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Meanwhile, a renegade wolf man stalks a juicy kid man, which is like a young goat man. It's a kid, you know, because baby goats are kids, so it's a whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's caught by Billy the Pup, 
The renegade falls into a pit full of spikes and dies, and in return, Billy gains custody of Gruff. The two of them spar verbally as Billy meets up with a squad of predators on the on a beach as a ship, like a, a, a sailing ship, uh, appears on the horizon. And oh, geez, it's full of slaver pirate UGs. Not they, great, but a really good way to start, say, a D&D campaign. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, actually. But yeah, they, they knock the pair out and Gruff wakes up, chained to an oar aboard a galley <laughs> run by awesome UG pirates. Man, there's like a uh, rhino pirate and like a dog pirate that's got funny ears. And a giraffe pirate! That's my yes. favorite! <laughs> it's, it's my favorite fucking animal on the planet is a giraffe, and it's the one driving the boat, and Gir- it makes so much sense. Giraffe, pirate, captain, UG is just a good combination of words right there. <laughs> so next up, uh, there's a quick one. T-Bone is running guns around the various resistances with a bunch of like AK-47s hidden under fish so no one checks them. Unfortunately, at the border of a place called Lone Town, he's stopped at the gate, and a belligerent monkey Yuji knocks over his cart, revealing the guns. Mm-hmm. This leads to an awesome sequence where T-Bone is just running through town, blasting everybody he sees with gouts of fire from his AK-47. <laughs> cool. He's it's, just killing bros. Yeah, it's not bloody, but it is pretty graphic, and it's a depiction of dudes getting gunned down, you know? Yeah, exactly. Eventually, though, the monkey guy catches back up with T-Bone. He offers to lead him to safety, but instead leads him into a trap. He's put in chains and sent off to Snow City. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like the the weird Mink UG were like, oh, we'll cut you a deal. And he's like, that's why I did it. And I'm like, I fucking hate monkeys and apes. Don't trust those, those predators either, monkey dude. They lie all the time. And, they, and now we're slowly seeing everybody heading, uh, getting captured. Everybody's heading to Snow City, yeah. Spec. Hey, look, it's Act 3. <laughs> exactly. Um, at at a, a monorail stop, a stone with a with a, a cool hat as a disguise, and Louis the Lion oh, try to sneak aboard a train to Snow City. He's... Re- I forgot about this. I want to say also what's something that's cool. One of the characters in the crowd, I'm pretty sure, is actually Massimo Bellardinelli himself. Like, there's a self-portrait in the crowd here. Um, like the bearded dude, yeah, the bald head, yeah, the bald bearded guy. Um, when Stone is rebuffed by, by the ticket counter, he uh, creates a diversion and kills a few UGs by basically turning a chafing dish into an IED. He then grabs some tickets to Snow City, and he and, Lou- and Louie are off. Yay, I guess we're going to that place. Yeah. On the trip there, however, their presence is questioned, and they're forced to make a hasty escape from the train into the frozen north. Among the snow, the cold-blooded Seth passes out, and that's bad, because Stone and Louie are suddenly hit by the mental projection that is killing Lewis and Stone with raw terror. Oh my god, what could this be? From ominous snow eyes. Anyhow, let's take a break from all that, Fox, um, and have Leeshar and Tiger Commander just going on an icy, an ice yachting race outside, outside the Snow City. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I was positive there was an ice yachting scene in like a James Bond movie, but all I could find was that ice car chase from Die Another Day, which is yeah. not the same. No, it's not. Um. Anyhow, Lishar cheats to win, of course, and um, afterwards the captured T-Bone is brought over in chains. 
After some belligerent talk, it's decided that T-Bone and Tiger Commander will arm wrestle to determine T-Bone's fate. Win and get so a painless awesome. death. Lose and be ripped limb from limb by Tiger Commander. Yeah, it's super dude. Yeah, arm wrestling? Tell me about it. <laughs> it's such a little kid thing. Like, we gotta see which one's strongest, so make them arm wrestle. <laughs> um, so bets are taken and the, as the contest begins, and Leeshar bets against Tiger Commander, which is apparently a ploy to inspire the commander to win the day. God. It's bad news for T-Bone, but at least Liana is able to sneak off in the excitement. Like, literally, just everybody's focused on the arm wrestle, and she, like, kind of tiptoes on the ice off into the distance. I mean, you know, when all the boys are, like, doing their rowdy boy bullshit, you can just kind of Irish goodbye the whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Lishar also learns about Stone being on the train north in his escape, but he's not too worried, because this whole area is a reservation for experimental murder, UGs, and they'll likely take care of Stone. And indeed, Stone and Louie wake up to find themselves in the cave of a giant yeti monster with hypno-eyes even more powerful than those of King Seth. Next episode, Slag Heap. Why would you make something stronger than King Seth? After so, already knowing that the bird Yuji guy, who I forget the name of, Kanita. was like, oh, Kanita, it wasn't a great idea. You know? And that King Seth was so dangerous that you kept him locked up until Nick Stone being here necessitated you bringing him out of a uh, cold freeze or something. So I guess you just make a whole bunch to run around the fucking frozen north. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the key. <laughs> evil evil knows no uh, specific boundaries. No. And, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Episode 65. Progs 215 to 218. June 1981. 305. Meltdown Man. So, script robot Alan Hebden. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letter robot Jack Potter. So, I'm shooting at this Yeti and ain't nothing happening. Yeah, a crazy Yeti Yuji has King Seth. Yeah. Uh, should we be sad? Should we not be sad? I don't know. You Soon know, it won't matter. He's got his purposes. Uh, Nick Stone tries to blast the Yeti, but the bullets have no effect. The Yeti goes to throw Seth off an ice chasm as Seth screams that it's an illusion. Oh. Yeah. Stone realizes the situation only after Seth goes overboard. Uh, he sees that the Yeti is projecting a psychic image several feet to the left of where it's actually standing, so that attacks of it are actually like hitting thin air, basically. Uh, Stone attacks where the monster actually is. And, or, sorry. Yeah. Stone attacks where the monster actually is and gets it to knock it off, basically. Um, <laughs> With a knife, too, yeah. no less. They try to say... That you can see where the beast is because of, because uh, the beast, like, he, the beast is named Slag Heap, by the way. Just that Slag, pe Slag Heap's footprints are in the snow, but, like, where he actually is, not where the projection is. This is not borne out in the art. The Slag Heap projection makes footprints and sort of piles up snow around his feet, like, he, yeah. like he's walking through it. This is an art fail. <laughs> Slag Heap is officially a UG blend of monkey, goat, and yak, but he's clearly a Yeti, and he claims to be <laughs> passive, only motivated to act by the massive evil radiating from King Seth. Which is not false. I mean, Seth's evil, we all know that, but, you know, he's a useful kind of evil. Whatever. Yeah. He's a, he's a ka, you know? Whoa. I don't know if I do know, but I'll go with it. Uh, you're good. 
<laughs> um, so Seth goes to get the snake, and once he leaves, Slag Heap and Louis and Louis the Lion Man are attacked instantly by predators and sweet snow <laughs> APCs. Uh, Those things are great, and they uh, have a whole bunch of predators with like spears inside. It's weird. Uh, Slag Heap manages to trick one of them off the side of the cliff, but is too chicken to stop the other from taking Louis the Lion Man prison. Slag Heap grovels at Stone's feet, and he decides to use this psychic coward to this advantage as Seth spits curses. Yeah, you know, the, the all the troops have ha- have melee weapons or hand-to-hand weapons. Yeah. Because the only guns they have are those snip guns, and those can only be operated by humans, you know? Exactly. I mean, I feel like that's purposeful. It's in lore. Yeah. So... In the uh, Snow City, so so we, we go to the Snow City Jail, where T-Bone and Polax are in cells yelling at each other, annoying the Rhino Man between them. Uh, Lee Shar and Tiger Commander arrive with Louis the Lion Man, and he and Polax immediately get in a fight. Because remember, they have beef over the leadership of the Yuji Brigands and stuff, Fox. Which, I, just FYI, like... Polax, like, pretty much starts beating his ass. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's how he took oh. over the brigands. He's a better fighter than than Louis, you know? Yeah, fair. But, um, they the fighting is quelled and Polax gets the crap kicked out of him by Tiger Commander in turn. <laughs> oh, Me- man. And, and Tiger Commander's like, you will thank me for beating you. <laughs> yeah, they got a weird relationship now. <laughs> so, Nick, great. Nick Stone yacht jacks a human of his ice yacht and then continues into Snow City as Slag keeps stays behind, too frightened to fight. Oh, as, I'm a big yeah. scared bear. Big scared yeti guy. I don't want to fight. As Stone approaches the city, he's spotted by Lee Shar and Tiger Commander with the city's catapults, fire flaming rocks at his ice yacht. Slag keep looks <laughs> on. He must intervene or Stone will die. And, uh, you know, Lee Shar's got a pretty sweet coat on. He's, yeah, man. He's always fashionable, he's that Lee Shar. Uh, he's got his winter look at. This is winter winter action Lee Shar available from a store near you. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Under heavy catapult fire, Stone ditches his ice yacht, and the baddies sail out to meet him. Uh, Seth mind whammies Stone to make him give up and turn himself into Tiger Commander. But at the last minute, Slag Keep uses his powers to save Stone from being run over by the feline military leader. Dude. Seth retaliates by beat, by breaking the ice under Slag Heap. Stone comes to and avoids being run over by Lee Shar, who, um, does successfully run over King Seth. No, not King Seth! I mean, like, they crush that snake, and he kind of fucking deserved it every time, so... Oh, I feel bad about that guy. I liked him because I liked him for his evil, not despite it. Uh, meanwhile, Slag Heap has fallen beneath the ice, and he drowns a coward to the end. Stone is captured. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the escaped Liana, the Catwoman, has taken oh. work with a walrus man fishmonger. Ah, oh, but it's a bad job. She learns that Stone has been taken prisoner and goes to investigate, and then resolves to free him. And sneaks up to the, like, she does a pretty good job of sneaking in the place. She's like, I got some special fish, and gets in there, beats up a a mink guard guy, and then goes and hides in a robot floor cleaner. Uh, Which probably isn't the best thing. So just so I remember correctly, this is the same woman who snuck into a palace and nearly murdered 
uh, stone with yeah, a knife. Yeah, right at the start, absolutely. And here she is, just like, I can't sneak into this place, I need to use a bucket of fish. I'm just saying... I mean, we don't know, you know, I mean, that place was open, that place was just open to the air, that palace, and so if you just had to jump yeah. high, you know? This is like a guarded gate, like, inside a big facility and stuff. I think she managed to do it pretty ably. The only reason okay. that she got caught was because, as we see... You know, Lee Shar doesn't care about hearing that the Catwoman is en- that a-, a Catwoman, I should say, is entering his facility because he's too busy showing Stone his super weapon, the ability and, yeah. to graft parts from other UGs onto other UGs. Um, we see another Massimo Bellardinelli cameo as he works on a Warthog Man, <laughs> and then which is great. Yeah, you know, anytime everybody in. The world of Meltdown, all the humans in Meltdown, man, have, like, has, have awesome feathered, like, late 70s, early 80s hair. Except mm. for the Bellardinelli characters, who are all bald and bearded. <laughs> really stands well, out. And, and this one's got that feeling to it of just, like, he is creating them because he's creating them. Mm. You know? That's a good point. I so like it. We see the latest Yuji model. It's a, uh, it's a Yuji. It's got wolf legs, a kangaroo tail, rhino torso, gorilla arms with tiger claws, and a dog head with tiger teeth. Which, uh, and the tiger teeth are an optional extra. Mm-hmm, so yeah. Tiger Commander is this like, is the, uh, pretty awesome. This teeth. is the mutant Yuji uh, LE. Very nice. Mm-hmm. All options not shown. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, this Yuji's keen senses allows him to find Liana hiding inside the cleaner bot and then stare terror into her and then use his, uh, sorry, use his terror eyes to eye beam her into submission. <laughs> So take all the parts of something and then give it psychic powers. This has never backfired ever. This guy's just a top level Yuji uh, Henchman guy. Yeah. Anyhow, next time on Meltdown Man, the lion, the rhino, and the bull man. I wonder who that's going to revolve around next. Probably Ooh. a cool jailbreak. Or some kind of weird Christian allegory. Um. Oh. <laughs> Episode 66. Progs 219 to 222, July 1981. Thrill 5, Meltdown Man. God, things are getting real weird in Meltdown Man. Yeah, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot. Um, that's not right. Hold on a second. Oh, God damn oh. it, Conrad. Oh, it's Tom Frame. It is? Oh, it's T-Frame, lettering robot, nice. Tom Frame, lettering, ro- lettering robot, Tom Frame! <laughs> I, w- I was, I was, I was, I thought it was Tony, like, it'd been to- it's been, it's, it's been someone else previously, I know, whatever. Anyhow, the Super UG is eye-beaming Liana, Fox. I'm gonna leave this in, because that's embarrassing lack of credit stuff for me. Um, oh, it's eye-beaming Liana, there's nothing Nick Stone can do about it. Meanwhile, in UG jail, Louie and T-Bone recruit a nearby Rhino Man to help them escape. The oh, Rhino... Dude. Rhino Man's great. Yeah, the Rhino starts a fight with Polax, and when the guards come to break it up, he takes out the guards. Our guys escape. They leave Polax behind, though the Bear Brigand is, in fact, able to escape soon after they leave. Which, I, like, damn. Yeah, this trio of freaking giant hoss UGs breaks through into the research center <laughs> using the Rhino's knowledge of the center's air ducts. They try to enter smoothly, but end up falling through the air duct system, eventually landing right on top of the Super UG. Time to act fast. So it all works out. Like, that's the thing. They're like, oh, this will be simple, and it'll be fine, and then they fuck up, and then it's great. Yeah. There's a big melee as our heroes reunite and then escape into the research facility. Um, after Stone, like, guns down the Super UG, they 
their path takes them into a warehouse full of thousands of super Yugis. Oh, man. And they're, like, not, not being built. They're, like, ready to deploy at a moment's notice. Oh. And, and it's, then, it's the, that machine that's on top of the place is just... Bellardinelli's, like... I love when yeah. he does organic. It's um, like a big Bellardinelli, uh, like, robotics. panopticon kind of thing. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and they're also gearing up production for millions more Super Yugis. Everyone escapes into the sewers, and Stone As empties usual. his AK into a screaming horde of Super Yugis. It's pretty amazing. They steal toboggans and slide down the hills of Snow City, eventually hijacking a chopper and flying off as a rampaging horde of Super Yuji mutants follow after them. Yeah, let's get out of here because this is getting real not great. Yeah, man. The Super Yuji's attack Snow City to, uh, quote-unquote, restore order. And man, they're <laughs> weird-looking. Like, every once in a while, or like, it, 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 it seems like there's always one that's got like a thin body and a giant elephant head on top of it, and that one creeps me out the most. Oh, big time. And then uh, the most heinous action ever committed by a human being happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lishar has two Super Yuji bodyguards, and that offends Tiger Commander. And Lishar's like, who cares about you, Tiger Commander? You're old news, and pushes him away. Dude, because he's like, uh, he didn't even like get pissed at Lishar. He's just like, you know, I've served you pretty well. You don't need these guys. And he's like, get the fuck out. Tiger Commander, goddammit. it. <sighs> I hope he double-crosses him. Man, he better. I don't know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, aboard the, that Yuji pirate ship where Gruff and Billy the Pup are galley slaves, uh, mm -hmm. it turns out that the rhino pirate is the brother of the rhino that's helping the team. And while our guys try to fly out to meet them, this freaks out the pirates. and They force the slaves to row faster, and they toss Billy over the side when he complains. And then massive creepy-ass sharks yeah. are, like, coming after him. They've got, like, boar mouths. Sharks, yeah, Stone saves the tracker from the horrors of the UGC, and they all prepare to head down to the pirate settlement to meet with the pirates, only to see that the hills above them are crawling with them super UGs. Creep town. Yeah. We finish it off. The team runs... Uh, they run from the approaching Super Yugis. They steal aboard the Rhino's brother's ship, and I'm super pissed that we don't have names for these Rhino dudes, especially yeah, as the awesome. yeah, especially as the two sh uh, scuffle the two Rhino brothers scuffle, go overboard, and basically sink to their deaths because Rhinos can't swim. <laughs> the, like, well, okay, I, these characters are now gone. Yeah, it's the throwaway. The slaves are freed, but they still have to row as the Mega Yugis attack the pirate town in an orgy of violence and random random animal parts. Uh, giraffe, pirate Yuji, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> our guys, so awesome. yeah, our guys get away on the ship. They check the hold below in the ship to find a nuclear cruise missile. Oh. Yeah, so I love I love the like um, the plot situation that goes on here. It's like, oh, we were going up and down the coast of some place called California, mm -hmm. and they were trading ancient artifacts. What do you think a nuclear armed warhead is? It's a good it's like, question. Right. Next episode, the tide turns. God, just a nuclear bomb. 
There you go, man. Hey. That'll solve some of your problems. <laughs> We're both anti and pro nuclear weapons in 2000 AD this month. It's like commercials for a super, it's like Superman's, Superman candy cigarettes and Superman anti smoking ads in the same product. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the real question is will Meltdown Man end the way it began? Oh man, this guy's finally gonna melt. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Why doesn't he melt? Episode 67. Progs 223 to 227. August 1981. Thrill 5. Meltdown Man. God, this is such a weird comic. When's he gonna melt? Um, anyhow. <laughs> Why isn't he using his melty powers? What is in the name? He's melts. What's in the name? Yeah, so script robot Alan Hebden, <laughs> art robot Massimo Bello Dinelli, letter robot Jack Potter. So uh, Stone gives us the lo- Nick Stone gives us the lowdown on this recently found nuclear cruise missile, and oh man, it's cool. Meanwhile, the whole team is aboard this stolen pirate ship, and the coast is swarming with super UGs. They're tough. They're smart. Smart enough to avoid Stone's attempt to snipe them. The team goes to sail off into the distance, but they're followed by Super Yugi's and rowboats. Uh, Which, oh God, like, and then they gotta shoot the rowboats and anchor the rowboats. And then, like, the rope, yeah, Stone and Liana shoot them, T-Bone anchors them, and then the, the Super the super Predator Yugi's keep on swimming towards them. Um, That's ridiculous. Eventually, Louis the Lion leans out to shoot them, but he gets dragged underwater by the mutants, and he dies! No, Louis the Lion! You were around for, like, a few issues. We're just shedding these uh, secondary characters, man. Um, yeah, man. The team agrees to team up with the minks aboard the ship to deal with this super predator UG threat as they head to the town of Northway and try to go into harbor, but they find the whole place in flames. Oh, God, what happened here? Uh, the team finds the harbor full of uh, dead super predators and talking to the survivors. It turns out there was a huge conflict between them and those desert brigands that we met earlier. All right. Awesome. I like those guys. Yeah. Camel man. The team travels south to find the conflict still going on with cheetah men clawing the hell out of super predators as Caleb the camel cheers them on. Uh, it's like, oh, that's right. They go nuts when their fear is induced <laughs> yeah, in when, them. Yeah, some 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 UGs fight when they're afraid instead of flight. Flight, you know. Uh, so great. Stone is planning to use the nuke to take out the super predator facility in Snow City, and his new army heads out to secure a helicopter plant to deliver the missile. They make a quick alliance with the predators there because all UGs got to team up in the face of these super predators. But oh, yeah, man. Stone returns to find the nuke has been stolen by that dastard Polax who's taken it to Leeshar. Who is still alive. Every Yeah, I don't understand this. So, in Snow City, Leeshar orders whole new armies of super predators that he heads out to meet with Polax about the nuke. He rebuffs Tiger Commander at this point. Tells Tiger Commander... Worst fucking mistake of his goddamn life. He tells him to just, like, take a vacation. I'm gonna do something. Um... Tire Commander finally sees the writing on the wall here. <laughs> he, uh, he mutinies. He countermands the order to, like, kill a million UGs to make more super predators. And, and none of the, like, none of the minks or, or, like, other 
predators really wanted to do that anyway. They're like, do you know how hard that's going to be? No and one's like, going to go with that. And like, I just want to be responsible for like genociding my own people, you know, to make a bunch of yeah. crazy stitched together mutants. Like that's terrible, you know. Um, yeah. Tiger Commander agrees and countermands Lee Char's orders and plans to shut down Super Predator production f- once and for all. All right, Tiger Commander. Dude, he's so awesome. Before we move on, yeah. by the way, there's there's this shot in uh, in Prague 225, right as Meltdown Man is starting. They're building the giant Super UG, mm-hmm. and there's actually another scientist guy on the far left of the frame who's getting strangled by the tail that yeah. <laughs> they're trying to put they're, on they're it. They're alive as they put them together. It's pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like not great being a scientist for Lee Shars. What it's I'm talking Everybody, everybody but Lee Shars having a bad time. Dude. So, meanwhile, uh, Nick Stone and Billy the Pup track down Polax, and they get, they get the drop on him right as Lee Shar arrives. But, so, uh, so there's no safety there, so they get out of there. Lee Shar takes the nuke and drops Polax out of a helicopter. No, Polax! I like that bear guy. Shoot. He's evil, but now he's dead. <laughs> Fuck that bear. Yeah. Lee Shar seems unstoppable, but unbeknownst to Stone, Tiger Commander has found a way to completely destroy the Super Predator complex. Dude. So, Lishar has the nuke, but he doesn't know how to use it. Fox, those things are complicated. Meanwhile, <laughs> Tiger Commander fights <laughs> Too his, many buttons. Yeah. Tiger Commander fights his way to the Super Predator Production Facilities Control Center, where he overloads the boiler and sets it all to blow. Tiger Commander goes out in a blaze of glory, ending the entire Super Yuji production center with him, blowing up the entirety of Snow City. It's super awesome and a great send-off for my favorite side character in this whole thing. Dude, Tiger Commander. It was the name, the legend, the explosion. Tiger Commander, we always love you and we'll always miss you. Um, okay. <laughs> Lee Char- words have never been spoken. <laughs> hey, mourn you. Mo- I'll uh, I'll mourn you till I join you, Tiger Commander. Um, <laughs> Dude, oh, so, that's a great tattoo. So Lashar, so Lashar heads back to the capital of Sudermunda to prepare for the for a counterstrike. Where the destruction le- reaches Stone, and he forms a plan. Step one: he surrenders to Lee Shar and offers to operate the cruise missile. He's finally gonna melt. Oh my god! <laughs> Fucking god, it took him so long. The final prog of Meltdown Man. The people of the world, human UGN predator, have all come together for one cause: death to Lee Shar. No doubt, the guy is being a total chode. Being a real bad guy. Weapons are distributed and attack is planned as Stone programs the cruise missile at gunpoint. The missile is launched, but it was a double cross. I mean, you know, Lee Shar, of course, just decides to double cross Stone and like shoot him, but Stone's like, yeah, no, I figure you would because you're a jerk. <laughs> Everybody knows it. You talk about it all the time behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> Your cape is stupid, no one likes your hair, and you look like a doofus. Yeah, you're dumb. What kind of name is Lee Shar, buddy? It's a bad name. Uh, So the the missile turns back around as it flies, which I don't know if a cruise missile really has that much fine maneuvering, but whatever. And slams. I mean, it looks like an airplane, whatever. It slams directly into the capital, destroying Stone, Lee Shar, and all the super predators in one huge mushroom cloud of destruction. 
And I guess just leaving his friends behind to deal with it. But, I mean, oh, wait, wrap-up time. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they can handle it, I suppose. And meanwhile, in the Gilligan's Island school of you lose your memory when you get hit in the head by a coconut, and then another hit to the head of the <laughs> coconut restores your memory? Uh, <laughs> being caught in a second nuclear blast has sent Stone back to Earth in our time. Or, well, you know, to the Jersey Turnpike, but close enough, I suppose. Oh, I mean, there are worse places. Oh, I mean, shit. Maybe. As as this happens, Dude. it sends both Stone and Lishar back, but then Lishar uh, dissolves into the air, like that one episode of Star Trek where there were those gangsters in the holodecks and they walked outside, you know what I'm talking oh. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, we're, we're, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, exactly. I so, love you. I love you so much right now. <laughs> trying to make these references, buddy. Uh, Stone theorizes that he'll, he'll have to warn people that, sorry, that he'll theorize that he'll warn people and they'll be able to avoid the asteroid strike that caused the UG world in the first place so that it never really existed. And none of that stuff matters and never happened except that is in Stone's, Nick Stone's memory. Oh yes. So basically, the end of Meltdown, all of his man. friends don't exist. Well, all of his UG friends, presumably as human friends, he hangs out with. <laughs> He's an SAS super agent. He's got friends. I mean, he could have like some other SAS guys. You know, it could be like they could help all hang out like like Liam Neeson and Taken and talk about like the missions they do and stuff. But he was like all alone in the desert. You remember when he was, he was, doing, all he was alone on in the a, desert? Yeah, he was on a mission. He was taking out yeah, terrorists. You know. No, but it's true, because then a shadowy CIA guy was playing with his cat and being like, oh, I guess there's no one to take care of Stone's effects, or whatever. Maybe he'll have a new lease on life oh, and he's come back to life and stuff. <laughs> he doesn't own his cat anymore, so he's going to get a new cat. I mean, that's what you do when you've been lost in the future for a year or whatever. But man, so I Meltdown... disapproves of this joke. <laughs> man, Meltdown Man lasted 50 progs with no breaks. Jesus Christ. With the same art team the whole time. A massive achievement that I don't think has ever been equal before or since. Um, God, 50 progs without a break? Yeah, from 178 to now. And they really wanted to tell this story. They really just had a plan and just kept it rolling this whole time. It's just been like, you know, I don't think it's a... It, it, it's I don't, it's rarely been the best thing in the prog, but it's been a good mid-level runner for a lot of it, I'd say. Um, I mean, you know, I've fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it. yeah, it's had its ups and downs, whatever, but it's it's better than Angel. It's and better it, than Mach 1. And it gave, uh, it gave the prog a, a, a sense of consistency, like there was always Meltdown Man doing his thing, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. So, Alan Hebden will go on to write a bunch of, like, Future Shocks and other sort of one-shot stuff for 2080, but only one more real, like, multi-prog story, I guess. Massimo Bellardinelli will be back in Prog 232 when we roll out with Ace Truckin'. 1010, good buddy. Damn. I'm excited. Should be pretty I good. I like Bellardinelli, right? Yeah, man. Always a good choice. You know, he's always good. Good at drawing weird stuff and, um... Ace Trucking's full of weird aliens, so it's definitely playing to his strengths, you know? As right. A, yeah. It should be exciting. Meltdown Man! Ah, he's belting away! That's pretty much it for Meltdown Man. Though, like many old-school characters, Nick Stone will return for a brief cameo in the an Armored Gideon story in 1994. 
From Meltdown, Matt, man, Massimo Bellagnelli is off to draw some more crazy monsters and aliens and ace trucking, while Alan Hebden would continue to churn out high-quality future shocks and limited runoffs like Maze Dumar and Psy Testers. The pair would reunite for the return of the mean team in 1987, but the less said about that, the better. My top Meltdown Man moments! The parting of the ways! It's a pretty basic fantasy trope. Just the starting group splitting up and only coming back together in the final act. But we rarely see it in 2000 AD. So it's a lot of fun to see it here with Stone and Liana going one way, T-Bone going another, and Gruff going a third. Each team then goes on to have their own sets of adventures with all of them intertwined together. Next, the amazing landscapes. Like many fantasy stories, Meltdown Man has some extreme travelogue elements. So, seeing the vista of a new place we're visiting is always a great introduction to a location. Whatever you might say about Bellardinelli's ability to draw humans, which I think is slightly over-exaggerated, his ability to draw sci-fi landscapes is incredibly powerful. And finally, the Yugis themselves, from simple creatures like wolves and cats to bird dudes, yetis, giraffe pirates, tapir bandits, cheetah tribesmen, and eventually evil mega Yugis. You're always on your toes with new characters and character design, even to the end, and that is just an, ama- so, an amazing thing that helps the storytelling and makes this story so unique. So what do you think about Meltdown Man? Is it an expansive fantasy epic or overlong filler by a few mid-tier 2000 AD creators? And if you think that last one, why are you a jerk? Come on. 50 Progs is a long time for any story. Does Meltdown Man make the best use of it? I'd like to know what you think. Let me know by email at spacepinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. You'll find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Thanks for listening to this Space Spinner 2000 collection. We'll be back soon with awesome 2080 action. And until then, I'm Conrad, and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 collection for Meltdown Man. Splendigver 3!